This time on Matters. Equal justice. Delete your account. All this and more on this exciting episode of Matters. His name is Matt. His name is Matt. And that's all that matters. Yeah. Welcome to Matters, where two guys named Matt talk about what matters to you. I am Matt Noss. With me via the power of the internet is my best friend in the whole wide world, if it isn't Matt Rose. What up? How you doing, Matty? I am fine, and I'm sorry. I'm just, you can hear the glass clinking in my glass, or the, the ice clinking in my glass. I apologize. That's okay. That's okay. But I'm, I'm the one editing it, so it doesn't matter. It's, it's all <laughs> ASMR, baby. It's all ASMR. We have a real huge following in the ASMR community. Red leather. I'm stealing your bits. Red leather. White bread. My brain feels tingly. Um, uh, it's It's been a couple weeks since we've actually recorded. Um, it has. It's been a while. It's been a while. Uh, we just put up the episode um, last week. Um, and we're back again, baby, but... These episodes with COVID are a little bit further spaced, but I think matters right now is just when it matters to us, it'll matter to you. (laughs) I, I think that right now people are at a higher demand for podcasts because they are, they don't have anything else to do. You know, there a lot of people are still staying home. Yeah. Um, Well, my listening, my listening has gone through the floor. Not through the roof, oh, really? but through the floor, because... Oh, you don't have a drive. I don't have a drive. Yeah, yeah Podcasting that... was my, my drive buddy. <laughs> my drive yeah. buddy. But yeah, I mean, it was what I did when, during the commute to work and the walk into the office. I would just listen to podcasts, and when I'm home, I can't listen to podcasts while I work. It's way too distracting. Yeah. And so, yeah, it turns out, like, I'll go out and cook dinner by the fire and i'll listen to like 15 minutes of conan o'brien needs a friend because he's had a bunch of people on that i wanted to hear you know he had who has he had on he had mike myers on oh really yeah and mike myers is kind of a recluse and he doesn't come out a ton and well yeah i mean after after the love guru he kind of well, aside yeah. from like aside from small parts in other movies like uh, Inglorious Bastards, Inglorious Bastards, yeah, he, he's kind of. And he well, he did something else recently, or within the last. Oh, he yeah. was in the Queen movie. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He yeah, was yeah, the yeah. record company exec. Yeah. Um. But yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't do a ton, and Conan really didn't talk to him about that. Um, he did talk to him though. So I guess when they were writing on Saturday Night Live, mm-hmm. he had written, Conan had written Mike Myers a note and it was, dear Mike, I don't know how, I don't know when, but I will ruin you and no <laughs> one, and no one will know it was me, Conan. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I mean, did they did they say why he left that note or? No, that was the thing. Like, sometimes I feel like God, go longer, guys. Like they they try to keep Conan O'Brien needs a friend to like an hour, mm-hmm. and it's like it doesn't need to be. I could listen to Conan talk to people for a long time, like much right. longer than an hour. I know that like even WTF is basically like for them to go longer than an hour 20 is super rare because usually the first 15, 20 minutes is Mark and then the hour interview. But I guess it's also easier for the guests so they can just be like, well, no, we'll, we'll, we will record for an hour. Mm-hmm. I listened to Mark Maron's interview with Seinfeld and that was also interesting because Maron isn't a Seinfeld guy. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, and uh, Seinfeld is a dick, so <laughs> like I don't think there's any way around. I mean, he is very much himself, and he will not mince words. He will not. I mean, maybe he's dickish more than a dick, but he's probably the dick. Um, 
But like Marin was talking to Seinfeld about inherent pain or something like that. And Seinfeld's like, you don't need that to do comedy. But then later Seinfeld's like, but you do need to be angry at something. And Marin's mm-hmm. like, isn't that kind of the same the thing? The same thing? Yeah. You know, so he they kind of get into it, but they don't. Like, it's very friendly. It's not very contentious because you can kind of tell that neither is each other's comic. Like, mm-hmm. they both respect each other a lot for what they do and because they've done it. But um, you can tell that they've definitely gone two different roads. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, but Seinfeld at the end was like, we should do this again because I love talking comedy and I love talking to comics. But Seinfeld well, I mean, also yeah, spent two and a half years on a Pop-Tart joke. So, Really? Yeah, yeah. There's, um, there is a very interesting Vanity Fair video uh, talking to him about his jokes. And... Uh, you know, there's hits him with the note, the legal notepad, and a joke, and they're like, "How long you've been working on this?" And it's over a year, definitely wow. for this one joke, and like word placement and how he does it. But <laughs> when when he's talking it through, he's like, "If I ever feel like I'm failing, I just relax, and I rely on the material." And then. In another interview that Dave Chappelle does, somebody <laughs> says, "You know, you know, Seinfeld said when well, he got in trouble, he just relies on the material." And does that ever happen to you? Is like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> have you uh, have you watched the um, the Chappelle? Oh yeah, oh yeah. I, I watched it. Like I haven't three watched t- it yet. I've watched it like three times. Oh wow! Uh, it is not funny at all. And it is very blunt, and it is very upfront, and I'm glad he made it. I kind of feel like he actually was trying to do something, because I think it's filmed in Ohio, probably close to his home or on his farm, but he was probably already trying to get something together for post-COVID. He probably had COVID material, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. Or something they wanted to say there, and then uh, the George Floyd murder happened, and he was like, well, I gotta say something, and then it's basically 26 minutes of him kind of breaking it apart and, and talking about why he didn't say anything, because he's like, the streets are talking, I don't need to, nobody cares what celebrities think, nobody cares what Ja Rule thinks, which is an old joke of his. Uh, from September 11th, where the MTV went to Ja Rule. <laughs> what? Yeah, uh, it's in one of his specials, and um, <clears throat> it's just like the towers fell, and then <laughs> MTV or somebody went to get commentary from Ja Rule, and it's like nobody cares what Ja Rule thinks. <laughs> Tell us what you think, Ja. It's like. No, nobody cares. Terrible. Nobody cares what job role thinks. But he was like, I think people wanted to hear what I say because I'm known for being a truth teller, and people trust me, so they want to hear what I think. So, so it wasn't comedy; it was just him. You know when they talk about Lenny Bruce, and they're like, "Oh, he didn't crack a joke at all," but man, he had the room entranced. Mm-hmm. It was that. Like my my deepest hope is that in fifty years, my children's children will watch it and be like, "What was that about?" Because that's what you want with a special, just like I did when I heard the very politicized Lenny Bruce stuff. It was like, "What do you mean, commies?" (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Lenny Bruce or Mort Saul or or one of those guys. Yeah. My mustache is so freaking long. I can't. It's like yeah, I, it is. Oh, I wow. got a real Bavarian stash. I never you really do. I never realized this before, but man, I could really do the old curly cue mustache. mustache. Yeah, you really could. I'm a good looking man. I can't help myself. I'm bald as, <laughs> bald as an eagle and fly twice as high. 
man. It's uh, yeah. So the the Dave Chappelle special is, I th- I think it's very important, which is kind of a hokey thing to say when I feel like every day, forty million very important things are happening. Yeah, for real. I mean, mainly number one with a bullet, our president not being able to walk down a fucking. Uh, <laughs> not being ramp. able to walk across the street so he can hold the Bible upside down. Yeah. <laughs> what is this? Snap yeah, the pitch. Why is he was, my I mean, burning? he was holding that book like you would hold like a dirty diaper. Like yeah, a sack it, like, of it garbage. Was probably, it was probably burning his fucking fingers. That's why he was holding that way. Uh, I will say that um, if Trump has done anything, he has brought my brother and I closer together. Oh, wow. Because um, my brother will say that he voted for him because he did. Yeah. And then he will say, oh, boy. <laughs> so <laughs> my brother, like, the, the more I talk to Dougie, the closer that both of us seem to be, you know, we're, my brother is very socially liberal. You know, yeah. he really does not care at all about a lot of the hard right wing social limitations that's why it it surprised me i mean it it surprised me but it didn't but he's fiscally very conservative yeah you know so that that's usually why republicans win his vote but the the night that trump won he called me and was like all right here's the deal we got to talk because i know (laughs) who you voted for and i know who i voted for and i don't want to go another four years where we don't talk to each other (laughs) <laughs> that was nice. So we gotta we gotta create a dialogue here, because he's like, I don't watch CNN or Fox News or any of that nonsense, and I'm like, okay, let's talk. And with the George Floyd thing, you know, my I've come from a fire family. We've talked about that before, but mm-hmm. the George Floyd uh, murder happened, and we talked about it, and we were like, yep, that's murder. There's any yeah. way, there's no way around that. I don't know what the fuck anybody else saw, but that's what we saw. And then, yeah. you know, I just, it's just good dialogue with him. It's just been good to have dialogue with him and somebody who has worked with the police and has had experience. <laughs> He's like, Maddie, you can pay me enough money in the world to be a police officer. They're crazy. All of them crazy. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, um, you know, I have police in my family and I have uh, I have friends who are police and I won't say who said it. But when uh, when my sister asked this person if they would let their daughter marry a cop, they were like, oh, no, not in a million years. And it was like, well, is it because the job is dangerous or and he's like, no, I wouldn't want her to marry a cop because of the way cops are. And it was like, but you're a cop. And he was like, yep, that's that's saying something. That is really saying something. And I don't think I don't think we're taking many chances here on matters to be like, hey, we should re-examine the police because this sure as shit doesn't look like it's working. Yeah. <laughs> like, what a brave stance for matters. Like mean, really going out there. Well, I know that people people listen to the show because they want to know how to reform the police. Yeah, because um. we're, these two white dinks totally know what to do. Yeah. I mean, you know, that's what I have my uh, post-doctorate in is policeology. But, um, exactly. It's social reform. Yeah. But, you know, I don't, I don't think that it takes, uh, uh, you know, a rocket scientist to see that, yeah, you're right. Things really aren't working and uh, you know i typically i am a guy who supports unions very much but i have to say that the police union can go fuck itself sideways because they could have a cop shooting someone with their hands behind their back you know a handcuff behind their back in the head multiple times and they'd be like well but that guy did something that deserved it and it's like nothing deserves it like no. Jesus Christ, you assholes! They they will defend, and I mean I know that's what unions are supposed to do, but at some point, someone no longer gets support from that union, right? Like if you burned a plant down, the union isn't going to be like, oh yeah, we're going to keep like 
the dude fucking purposely burned down one of your plants, you're, you're probably not going to support him anymore. There was uh, a cop in Philadelphia at one of the riots who hit one of the protesters right in the head with a metal baton. And then a bunch of cops piled on him. Well, the kid ended up having to go to the hospital for, you know, like severe head injuries. And you can see the video and you can see the cop thought about it for a couple seconds and then hit the kid in the head and the kid was backing away. And then the cops pile on him and it's like, why did you pile on him? He was obviously down as soon as you fucking hit him. And the police union was disgusted that the cop was wasn't even fired. He he turned himself in because they were putting him on administrative leave or whatever. And, you know, they were investigating the, the situation because the video went viral of him hitting this kid in the head. Did. And the police union was furious because of, you know, the rush to judgment and stuff. And it's like, there is no rush to judgment. He, you can see him wait a couple seconds and then decide, I'm going to hit this kid in the head. And the police union said that he was making a crack decision in milliseconds. No, he wasn't. He had the time to think, am I going to let this kid back up and go because I told him to leave? Or am I going to hit him in the fucking head? And he hit him in the head with a metal fucking baton. Yeah, I, I, have, I have followed police brutality cases specifically regarding race and mental illness for, for decades. And I have gotten to the point where I, I hate to say it, but at some point, the people that are getting abused by the police are going to start rising up when the police do stuff. So if there's, if there's five cops and 30 people and the cops are beating on one person, at some point, those 30 people are just going to rush those fucking cops. And like, what am I supposed to do when a, when a cop is beating me? Am I supposed to let him kill me because he's a cop and he has authority? Or am I supposed to defend myself from a guy with a fucking metal baton who's hitting me? At what point does their authority end? Is it when I'm already dead and then my family sues the department? Or is it when that cop stops being a cop and starts being somebody assaulting you, right? Like, yeah. and I, that's, I'm and wondering that's when the, that's going to... That's the whole piece about the social construct that keeps coming back mm -hmm. up. The social like, contract? The social contract. Yeah, not construct, but contract. Is that you work for us to keep us safe and you're not doing that you haven't no. been doing that for the black community ever and and, and, and now the, you're turning against everybody who's protesting you like that's you're missing the fucking point of these protests well and i had i had said it you know and i may have said it to you already a few times that the thing that really shook me is when the Detroit police chief goes because of, of the protests that then at night had rioting, a lot yeah. of the rioting, like if they arrested 60 people, I believe this is from the pre free press, 45 of them were from the suburbs. Suburbs. Yep. You know, they were, they were going downtown to start trouble. And the police and chief comes on and he goes, suburbs do not come to the city don't come to the city to riot because if our black and brown boys came to your neighborhood and started what you started down here, you know, the result wouldn't be the same. And when he's, Oh yeah. They'd, they'd, oh yeah. They'd be dead. That's what I said. And then I'm like, well, that's the, that's a fucking problem. It is. Yeah. I mean, when, when they can't even drive in those communities without getting pulled over and they're, you know, they're just driving if if they went down there and started you know smashing windows they'd just be they'd just be shot and you know how many people in those communities would say good i mean that's also a problem when right. you when you hear these people who are talking about law and order you know i don't think you really understand that law and order doesn't just mean cracking down on dissent law and order also means 
enforcing laws fairly across the board to everybody. Right. It's equal justice. Yeah. Equal, the, the law should apply to everybody equally. It shouldn't apply to just black and brown people. It shouldn't apply to the poor. Well, the rich get to do whatever the fuck they want. The rich get to drive their sports cars into two cars, killing five people, and then get off because they're rich. And, you know, I, I forget what the, what the case was. It was down south where this rich kid was super drunk, plowed into these two cars, ended up killing a bunch of people, and he never went to jail. And it was, it was basically the, well, but he's from a good family argument. It was a, we don't, yeah, you know, like the, um, the, the guy that got Brock Turner, the, um, the rapist and the argument was, well, but he's from a good family. Well, but he's a rapist from a good family. So that's nice that he's from a good family and that he had his future in front of him, but then he raped a woman. So go fuck, you you know, he can just go all the way to jail. Like how that's a thing. That's something that drives me crazy as well. It's like, what is the punishment for Brock Turner? There is none. He got now he's in the court of the public, right? That's going to look on him and be like, they know who he is. They know his name. They know what he's done. But there's no there's really no retribution. Brock Turner cannot serve his time. Now his time is he's been let go for something heinous and some people will never forget it. You yeah. know, there's no reformation that's going to be done there. There's no closure. Well, there will be no restorative justice either. Like I know that that's, that's something that a lot of places are, are trying, you know, a lot of universities and a lot of, a lot of smaller communities and stuff are are trying restorative justice where the person doesn't necessarily get punished in the legal system, but the person tries to make up for what they did. Like, I know that this happens in some schools where the sexual assault case wouldn't go to a court and the, the victim agrees to have it go through restorative justice where the person instead they they go to incoming freshmen and they he he tells them what he did why what he did was wrong stuff like that with with the woman where it's like i, I that's a lot but okay that that's a, that's a lot to ask of the woman i think because you're making her go with the person who assaulted her but a lot of it, I don't know. I mean, I, I understand the concept behind it where if a person goes to jail and they come out and they're the same person they were when they went in, what did you really solve? Right. Nothing. Cause That's... that person's going to come out and they're going to do the same fucking thing they did. And they're going to know that they can get away they with don't it. Think, yeah. Because they don't think they did anything wrong. Restorative justice. It, I mean, I'm not an expert on it. I, you know, I've only read stuff and, and heard news stories and whatever about it. But the the victims and the victimizers both seemed to get more out of it than it going to a court and the person getting off, you know, or the person going to jail for six months and coming out and still being, I got a raw deal and this is no fair. And with restorative justice, they admit that what they, you know, they have to admit what they did is wrong and they have to take steps to make amends for that. And there, God, there was this story, I think it was on StoryCorps or something where this kid did something terrible to this family and ended up, they ended up using restorative justice with the family where now the family and the person who did something like killed the son or something are now actually close because it, it allowed them to see into his world and how he grew up and how he had nobody and like the, the warped things that he believed that led him to that and how they were able to 
show him that's not real. That's not true. That there are people like it was it was really moving to hear the people whose, you know, child died because of this person and and them forgiving this person for what they did and for actually like trying to help this person to become better. Like it was it was very moving. That is incredibly moving. I think a lot lately about how how you come back together from things like this. Like a, because something that is a repetitive theme with my brother and myself is that now's the time to do something yeah. about what's going on. And he, and my brother is like, and he felt like Trump is fumbling and making many, many mistakes. He's making things worse almost every time he opens his mouth. Yeah. And when I stop trying to Trump is amoral in my book. He really doesn't have a, a moral compass of good or bad. Yeah, at he all. doesn't. Uh, the best thing that I heard recently is like all that dude cares about is winning the twenty-four hour news cycle. Well, yeah, because he he distracts people from the bad job he's doing or the the terrible thing that he's done. Like we'll we'll get to this in a second, but but yeah, the, the, he he the, just he distracts. He's he's a master of distraction yeah well i mean teflon don isn't uh isn't a joke like that's his whole thing and the best thing that happened is that the narrative got away from him with this yeah yeah definitely did well it got away from him on covid and it got away from him on this so it's a double whammy well his sycophants came out with plandemic and you know, everybody with the masks and be, like there was enough social outrage to be had that he could speak to his base and and do what he needed to do there and control the narrative to a point to at least win Fox News. And, yeah. then, and then win CNN because they're just like, this guy's an idiot. But yeah. with with the murder of George Floyd and the and the protests that followed they really weren't talking about him until he made the speech in the garden and then gas and rubber bulleted everybody to walk across the street. To... The, the peaceful protesters. So he could yeah. hold the Bible upside yeah, down. Not rioters, peaceful protesters. Yeah. And, um, but even that has worked against him. Almost everything has. So my brother and I just trying to figure out like, how is this insane person working? Are just like, well, his only real move is to say, Democrats couldn't get it done, meaning social reform, police reform, mm-hmm. all all of those types of things. You know, so the last major piece of legislation was passed in what nineteen sixty five, nineteen uh, was when was the um, civil rights bill passed sixty seven. Mm, I think it was after that, but 69. yeah, I mean, it... so it's been like fifty years. Since any major, uh, major, 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 huge milestone legislation is passed. And he's basically just going to pull that, you know, why didn't Obama do this? Obama couldn't do this. I'm the guy who can do this. I'm getting it done. I'm the, you may not like me, but I'm the wolf and they're, they're the foxes. It was 64. Sorry, I was wrong. It was 64. Okay. I said 65 first, so I still would have lost from the Price is Right rules. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, like, that's his game now. Like, But I just think his base is so far gone. Yeah. You know, because the day that we talked about that <laughs> was the day that that Black Lives Matter rally past that all lives matter rally with the guy on the guy's neck being like America we're doing it we're the best yeah and then I'm like how are we gonna come back together from this I've been wondering that for almost four years but every like every week it just gets a little worse and a little worse it's like it's like the gears on a clock right 
where it just keeps turning and turning and turning. And, you know, there's no going back. But it's not everybody, but who it is, is the most vocally crazy person I've ever met in my life. <laughs> like at this point, there are certain members of my family that I'm just going to have to write a note that says, delete your account. Yeah. Yeah. And go I, outside and turn I off the TV. I purposefully avoid Facebook and like, I've I've seen so many of my friends posting, you know, Black Lives Matter stuff, and I fully support Black Lives Matter. I fully support anti-racism. You've known me yes. for, you know, 30 years. You know that I have been anti-racist for decades, but me putting Black Lives Matter on Facebook or Instagram means literally nothing. Aside from letting people in my social network know, hey, guys, I shared something somebody else shared. Right. I, I live, it's I, a virtue live, signal at that point. Yeah, like, I, I live anti-racism, dude. I call people out when they're racist. I tell people they're wrong. I, I constantly try to reassess my position on things. And, you know, when, when I was dating one of my ex-girlfriends who is black – she and I would talk about race a lot. And for, for a while, you know, she would be sitting there and she'd be telling me how racist white people are with this and that. And I would think to myself, like, well, but I don't do those things and you're lumping me in with them. And then I, I, I realized she's not saying that I'm doing those things. She's telling me the experience that she's had throughout her entire life with white people and she's trusting me to tell me these things. She's not just sitting there trashing white people to me and being like, and you're part of that. She's right. saying, these are the things that I've seen and experienced, and I want you to know them. You know, And that definitely helped me to listen more and talk less. That's, And that is something extremely important that I think that a lot of people whether they support black lives matter or not need to do is shut up and listen because i swear to christ if i hear all lives matter one more fucking time i'm just gonna punch whoever said it um you know the the example of the houses on fire is great i'm not gonna rehash it if you wanna if you wanna look it up you can look up keegan michael key or barack obama or just Black Lives Matter houses on fire and you can see it because it makes very, very good sense. And I don't want to ruin it for you. So go look that up if you don't know it. But people, specifically white people, need to realize your experience is not everybody else's. White privilege really is a thing and you have benefited from it. Does that make you a terrible person that you benefited from a system you did not set up? No. But well, you need to recognize that you did benefit from it and that if you continue to take steps to maintain that system of white supremacy, that you are part of the problem. And hard stop, end of story. You know. Yeah. Well, that's why something like Truth and Reconciliation, which is what South Africa had after apartheid, was so... And, and what Rwanda had uh, after the genocide, yeah is so powerful and so like I doubt America would ever do that. I can almost guarantee that they never will. And at the same time it would probably be the only thing that could help. Mhm. Mm because it is, you know, and I'm stealing from Dave Chappelle when he talked about it in one of his specials, but he basically said what happened in South Africa by any means should have been a bloodbath and yeah. it wasn't because they realized that if you were operate if the system was wrong but you were operating by the rules of that system you shouldn't be punished because it's the system itself that's flawed and that's we have a lot of things that are very similar to that here yeah you know like yeah i mean there's a lot of shit that needs to change. The, the fact 
so one of the things that Martin Luther King had to say about the the civil rights movement was that one of the biggest enemies to the cause of black people being equal was not the Southern white racist. It was the Northern white moderate who would sit there and say, well, if you just be patient and, and talk about this, eventually you'll get it. Well, if you were on the other side of this and you had dogs sicked on you, if you had fire hoses turned on you, if you had cops chasing you with billy clubs beating you, would you want to wait for equality or would you want it now? It's it's that, what is that quote? Power is never conceded without action. You know, the the fact that Black and brown people have not just burned the entire system down is astounding to me because if I was in their shoes, you're goddamn right I would have. So for for the the white people to sit there talking about how like you know, I mean, because you watch Fox News for five fucking minutes. I can't. The, the the people the people they have on sit there and call them animals and stuff, and it's like you don't even see how that's a racially charged thing to say. You don't. Okay. You know, I'm sure that plays really well with people in fucking Shelby Township, but it you know it, it doesn't play really well to everybody else. To sit there and and call them animals and to talk about how this is what happens when, you know, when they don't get what they want. It's like they haven't gotten what they want for over 400 fucking years. People used to be owned. Black people only escaped Jim Crow in the 60s, and they never really escaped it. No, and the 13th Amendment, which I had done 0% research on basically legalizes slavery because if you're captured for a crime they can put you to work well and i mean they they so you know the the legal system in this country the policing system in this country i should say really started after the civil war and it was to round up or i'm sorry before the civil war and it was to round up runaway slaves you know, th- there were constables and stuff, but if you read, uh, you know, a People's History of the United States or Lies My Teacher Told Me by James Lowen, you'll see that people used to take pitchforks and torches and go to the to the constable when they had arrested somebody that the rest of the people felt they shouldn't have arrested, and they would bust them the fuck out of jail. They would hold that place at gunpoint until they released the people that they felt were unjustly arrested. Granted, those people were white, but, you know, that used to be okay. That used to happen. You know, I feel like I'm I'm getting off topic, but things need to change. Things need to change. And things are changing. Like, it's, it's crazy to look at how... Even Republicans in Congress are saying, yeah, you know, maybe we shouldn't have military bases named after Confederate generals because, for one, they were fucking traitors. Like, do we have a Benedict Arnold, you know, base? No, we don't because he was a fucking traitor. And so was the Confederacy. To have bases named after Confederate, Confederate generals is fucking insane to have statues to them where most of those statues were built after the 19 like they were built in the 1900s yeah yeah they were they were they were built to maintain white supremacy and that is the only reason and to sit there and say oh but if we remove those how are we gonna know our history well no fucking book what do you you think they're gonna get rid of books now no no, the people who want to wait. They got rid of Gone with the Wind, Matt. They got rid of Gone with the Wind. I mean, it's coming back. It's just going to have a black historian speaking in front of it to talk about how the portrayals in the movie are wildly offensive. You know, I wildly mean, <laughs> offensive. And the the thing I find really sad 
about that is that Hattie McDaniels won the Oscar for it, but they wouldn't even let her sit with the rest of the people. I mean, you know, obviously they wouldn't because they were a bunch of racist twats, but still, like, I watched this video the other day, and I mean, you know, obviously it's The Daily Show, so they're going to edit things to make them funny, but it was this one guy, I forget his name, going to a Trump rally, and him just asking people questions and then kind of trapping them with their own logic. Where this one, he was talking to this one guy about the um, the impeachment, and the guy was like, "Don't be a sheep. Read the transcripts." And he's like, "Well, have you read the transcripts?" "Well, no." So you're telling people not to be a sheep and to read the transcripts, but you haven't read them. You've only listened to what people say. Yeah. One could say that you are a sheep. Well, but I'm not. You just need to read the transcripts. I have read the transcripts. I know exactly what they say. Well, so you know it's a sham. No, it is not a sham. You have not read the transcripts. You don't know. I, you know, like. Well, Hannity was, told me that. But that's the thing, though, is I have heard people who support Trump saying almost the same stuff. Like, you know, one time I was talking with my dad and my dad sent me a forward to ask me, is this true? And I told him no. Like I and I and I like I used to do this so much. (laughs) My dad would send me forwards and say, is this true? And I would look it up and I would. You know, I mean, obviously, the first place I would go was Snopes and then I would start to research it outside of that. Um, And then I would send him like four or five links showing how it wasn't true. And then this one time my dad sent me something and I, and I explained all the reasons why it wasn't true. And my dad still believed it. And I was like, then why did you even ask me? Like, why, why would you ask me if something was true? And then I tell you it's not, and I show you it's not. And you say, well, I'm still going to believe it. Well, because I want to, I want to believe that my friends are right. Then don't ask me again. Right. You know, I don't know what to tell you. If you're going to ask me why something isn't true and I tell you, and then you say, well, but that's, you know, I, I'm just going to That's beside the point. Yeah. 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 Then, you know, stop, stop asking for me to verify your, you know, your shenanigans. Cause no. So I would say racism solved. We did it. (laughs) Jesus Christ. There's so much. Yeah. There is. I mean, it, it looks like things are just going to keep going. And I really hope that they do. And I really hope that people, keep putting pressure well i the saddest thing in the world happened again in georgia with the guy sleeping in his car and then i mean he did assault the officer but and then ran away right that that was the story um well so he he struggled with the the cops and he took one of their tasers and he was running away and they shot him in the back they say that he turned around and aimed it at him, but guess what? A taser isn't lethal. Like if you have heart trouble and if you keep repeatedly tasing somebody, it's, you know, it can be bad for them and it can kill them, but just turning around and pointing it at somebody, the cops carry tasers because they are quote unquote non-lethal. You can't meet non-lethal force with lethal force. It's like um, if if two people get in a fist fight, that is force meeting force. But if a person has a knife and the other person has fists, and the person with fists beats the person with a knife to death, that person met a greater force, and and you know I don't want to say won or triumphed, but survived. They technically should not be you know, held to the same standard as if the person with the knife stabbed the person without, right? Right. And so the cops were far enough away, they wouldn't have been tased, and they shot him repeatedly. Right. Like, you know, the the police chief resigned and was like, that's, nope. And the guy got fired and is now, you know, going going to be charged. But for all the cops that are being charged and fired and all of that, it won't make a bit of goddamn difference if we don't see actual convictions. 
Well, I, I I don't have too much more to say, but I, I thought about Malice Green for like the first time in like 20 years. Malice Green was the uh, Detroit resident that was jumped, basically, basically jumped and then murdered by uh, two Detroit police officers. Two officer. Detroit cops. And yeah, they beat him. They beat him to death with a uh, flashlight. And they got charged. They went to jail. Yeah, they did. Barry Budson and Walter Nevers. Well, well Nevers. Yeah. Yep. And I'll always remember it because there's the Wesley Willis song. Yep. Yeah. The name on the street for those guys was Starsky and Hutch. Oh, Jesus. Because I've been shutting up and I've been trying to listen. You start hearing people tell stories and famous people and rappers and like other people start telling stories from their neighborhoods. Killer Mike was on Lil Wayne's podcast mm-hmm. and... uh you know, Lil Wayne was like, thank you for your words. Thank you for what you did in Atlanta. Meant a mm-hmm. lot to me. But, uh, you know, once I, once you said it, no, no, they, in the process of their com- uh, conversation, it comes out that, like, in his neighborhood, they had cops that were... Killer, they, Mark, Killer Mike or Lil Wayne? Lil Wayne's neighborhood, they had cops, and they were like Pac-Man and Reebok. It's like if you saw those guys come and get the hell out of their way, because they're right. bad news, they're gonna crack your heads open. And Killer Mike came on and said, "Oh yeah, f- well for me in my neighborhood, that was this guy and this guy." And then Snoop yeah. comes on later and he says, "I heard your conversation with Killer Mike in my neighborhood. That was this guy in this guy." Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And yeah. it's like, and that shit's from the nineties. <laughs> yeah. Well, for for Lil Wayne, it was it was more recent, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, I mean he's he's, he's kind of young. He's right? very young. He's super young. I think he's in his thirties. I, I mean, it's crazy. He was rapping when he was a teenager. Long way to go. I think we could talk about this all night, but uh, we obviously could. we're no further along than when we started. Yeah, so. I just I I just really hope that things change for the positive and that. This, this fucking bullshit stops. You know, I don't care if the system gets torn down so long as something better is in its place. That's the thing. And, is that there's a possibility that it could be better. Yeah. And that's what we have to hold on to, and that's what we have to strive for. Yeah. All right. We'll be back with more matters after this. Welcome back to Matters. You've reached the part of the show where we talk about what we are into this week. Um, I asked you, Matt, if you had one ready to go. It sounded like you did. So if you're ready, let's do it. Well, so I think that uh, I don't think that we've mentioned on on Matters that uh, that I'm engaged. So holy cow, we haven't. Yeah, yeah. So I am engaged, and uh, so excited. I am. I am. You know, getting my house ready for you know when eventually uh, my my wife will be here. Um, so I have been going from project to project to project, uh, getting things that you know. Last time my uh, my fiance was here, um, I could tell she didn't like. <laughs> You know, like she would, she would see that like this was disorganized or that was disorganized and she's very type A and very organized. And so it was, you know, I could tell it would stress her out. And so, uh, two weeks ago, I completely cleaned out my garage. Like I got almost everything out of the garage, figured out what could be recycled and recycled it, what had to be thrown out and threw it out. Uh, and sweep, like, uh, I probably swept out like five pounds of dust. Um, <laughs> but you know, I, I reorganized it and I'm, you know, I, uh, 
I contacted a company about uh, accepting my motorcycle as a donation uh, for NPR, and I'm getting rid of my extra recycling bin that waste management never picked up. I called called DTE about the trees growing next to the fence that I can't trim that are growing directly under a power line. And they came out and they're like, yep, those need to be trimmed. (laughs) So they're going to take care of that. I, you know, have done like closets and stuff like that. But the the big thing, I'm having a person come out tomorrow to um, pop and refill all the rod holes in my basement. I have poured concrete walls, much like yourself. And, um, you know, when they when they pour the concrete and all that, they have like rebar basically in the in the concrete and they have to knock those out. Um, eventually and then fill them back in well but when they fill them they don't always fill them in very well and then when water comes um comes down sometimes comes it leaks. yeah it, it leaks through those rod holes and so there are companies that will come out and they will pop it out and then they will plug the very end with a cork and then fill the rest in with uh i forget what it's called but it's like a, they, they basically put like a high pressure foam that expands to fill the entire thing. Uh, and then they, they top it with like, I don't know, plaster or cement or something, uh, so that it's supposed to be perfectly dry. Uh, well, I'm going to have them, I had them out, uh, last August to do a couple cause I kept getting water in my basement. Mm. Um, well, it turns out that I was getting water all over my basement because uh, when I had the guys come out to replace or to rip out the carpet and, and rip out all the tiles, uh, you know, we found areas where it was like, oh, shit, there's there's been some water damage down here. Uh, you know, I mean, granted, it wasn't like extensive water damage to the structure. It was just damage to tiles and stuff. Uh, so in order for them to get access to the concrete walls, I had to rip out the paneling that was along those walls. And in doing so, I found a whole bunch of things that need to be fixed. Uh, so that is what I'm going to be doing. And, uh, you know, I'm prob- what I'm probably going to do is I'm probably going to end up uh, drywalling. Once they get everything all fixed and everything is cool, I'm probably going to drywall the basement. That would be awesome. I think it would be really good down there. It would. It would be, it would be nice to have a nice basement. Yeah. You know, I hope that. I hope that they're able to get the things fixed that they need to get fixed down there. Cause the last thing anybody wants in their basement is water. Um, Correct. Yeah. Uh, but aside from that, uh, you know, I've been rewatching community. Uh, there is, I don't even know how to describe it. Like I, I tried to describe it to my boss who's, uh, you know, like a, like a big horror nerd. Um, and he has shutter. And I was like, have you watched blood machines? And he said, no, what's that? And I was like, it's this, it's like a, like a movie told in three parts, but it's really like only an hour long. And it is the hardest thing. Like it defies description. I think I saw the trailer for that. It is. Yes, I did see the trailer. For it this. is a space opera cyberpunk acid trip. Yeah. The it, music the music is by Carpenter Brute and it is fucking awesome. <laughs> like I I that will that we you know we might be sponsored by uh by some Carpenter Brute tonight because god damn he can write a tune. Um it is it's basically these these like this one spaceship shoots another spaceship and that spaceship's ai escapes and becomes a woman but like a woman with an inverted like a bright light inverted crucifix for a crotch and <laughs> She can fly like it is, dude. It is like I said, it is so hard to explain. Just there are three parts, it's like 17 minutes, 20 minutes, and 19 minutes or something. You're not gonna, you're not gonna spend 
you know, an entire afternoon watching it. You can literally watch it in under an hour. But the music is fantastic. The visuals are insane. Um, don't expect to to understand, but that's okay. <laughs> Not really for that. Yeah. Um, and so the the guy that that wrote it and directed, I think all the stars in it edited it um and did like one of the special like dude he did almost everything in the movie uh, i'm surprised he wasn't one of the grips too like he, he he did everything and he's also done some videos for carpenter brute um it's it's insane and i cannot recommend enough that you go watch it i'm not saying it's the best thing that's ever made it's just visually striking and i hope that some major studio is like, hey, dude, we want you to make a movie and we will give you a hundred million dollars to do it. And then just see what fucking bizarre craziness he comes up with, because it would be the most insane thing ever put to film. See, that would be super interesting to watch. Uh, I'm also uh, I'm into uh off with their heads has released a whole bunch of stuff lately on Bandcamp, where they had a, a release last year uh, called Be Good, I believe. Um, and they've released, God, like they released Non Essential Volume One and Two, which are them doing either acoustic versions of songs they've already released. Or covering other bands. And uh, last episode, I uh, for the the song at the break, I used one of the songs on there, um, which is Next in Line, uh, which is a cover, uh, a Swing and Utters cover. And I, I'm really digging some of the stuff they've put out. I just got uh, Non-Essential Volume 2, um last week but i haven't even had a chance to listen to it yet which reminds me i should probably do that <laughs> just found a carpenter brute i'm just gonna take a quick uh even though we might have just heard it at the break <laughs> go ahead oh wow they did maniac let's see all right Blood Machines theme. <laughs> I, I can't do it. Yeah, that's talking my language. Yeah, but it, like, that is the stuff before the beat drops, dude. <laughs> like, it is, it's just awesome. I like, I was, I was talking with Jeremy about it um, last week, and he's like, "Oh, dude, if you like that, you'll you've got to check this out." And yeah, it's it's nuts. Well, let's see. This week, um, oh, I'm rewatching Attack on Titan. Yeah, you told me that yesterday. And, well, they just announced season four and they have a trailer for it. So my hope is that it is coming soon because it is the last uh, one of the series or the whole, It's it wraps it all up. They're done after this. So I'm looking forward to that. It's crazy to rewatch it when you know many what's of coming. <laughs> yeah, when you know many of the main spoiler aspects of it, you start seeing that they absolutely had everything there from the beginning. You just didn't know what you were seeing. So, yeah, yeah, which is pretty amazing. Um, it's really, really great. And then, um. I bought Lou Reed live in New York, which is 
very funny from 1976. Um, Fast and Loose, Lou Reed, his band is on fire. Like they are so tight, but he is so New York nonchalant. It's sickening almost. It's like, it's like, I'm waiting for the man. (laughs) All right, cool. That's the show that you wanted. You wanted to see. I I wrote Chris Peterson, and he was just like, "Oh yeah, cocaine's a hell of a drug." <laughs> but it's it's pretty funny. But uh, I've been wanting to get uh, Transistor, which is pretty much his biggest solo record. It's the one with Satellite of Love on it. It's the one with. Um, his big and it, i think it has walk on the wild side on it so i'll probably get that eventually i have never been a lou reed slash velvet underground person um just not my thing like i know that you have people like glenn danzig and you know the ramones and stuff who just you know looked up to people like lou reed and it's like eh. like i understand that that was influential for you so i won't take it away from you but like I just don't get it, you know, but then again, like, I'm sure I, you know, I look at, at the Ramones and the Misfits and, you know, bands like that. And other people are like, I don't get it, but they ended up influencing bands that I like. So, well, I, I through vinyl me, please. I got the first Stooges record and Mm. that has three killer cuts on it. And Mm -hmm. then uh, three or four not so killer cuts on <laughs> like yeah, yeah but the three killer cuts are probably on that, fire right? yeah like, 1969 <laughs> be your dog is on there i mean it's those songs are classics like yeah but then there's other ones that are like this is an eight minute drone song Oh yeah, not that great. I mean, I've I've never been a huge fan of Be Your Dog, but um, but it's like it makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I you know, considering that at that time there was almost nothing like that. Like, I I get it. Yeah, they they kind of beat everybody, everybody to the punch. Let me. Yeah, I mean, it was it was MC Five and it was the Stooges and you know. I mean, I know there was, uh, God, I think it was a band called Death. Oh, yeah. Um, from Detroit uh, that was doing stuff that, like, nobody else was doing, but. Yeah, so 1969, know, uh, I Want to Be Your Dog, No Fun. <laughs> Those... I like No Fun. I like No Fun more than I like Be Your Dog, but. Uh... Yeah. But then, like, the rest of it is kind of a bummer <laughs> when did when did raw power come out was that the album after that yeah or... so uh, stooges, that... stooges stooges is 1969 and then Holy raw power shit. is 1973 so funhouse is wow. i also have funhouse um and like want to talk about one of the classic opening tracks Let's get this going. We're going to be sponsored by the Stooges here for a second. <laughs> oh, God. Song rips. Uh... <laughs> But yeah, yeah. I mean, people. I I won't take away from people their like of the Stooges because I I personally like the Stooges, uh, or at least these songs from the Stooges that I have heard. Um. But I've heard enough Lou Reed and Velvet Underground to know. Not, not my me. thing. Yeah. Yeah, not my thing. Yeah, I liked I liked the Velvet <laughs> Underground. I had like a best of but if i picked up an album i would probably be at a loss with three quarters of it yeah you know like the songs that are good are good and the ones that are bad are like oh boy when is this over (laughs) (laughs) well i remember when metallica did uh a thing with lou reed and people were like come again 
that and is I heard I heard awful. one track and I was like, no, thank you. <laughs> no, I've heard that too, and it is awful. Yeah, no. I mean, you know, again, these are guys who grew up and they were like, Lou Reed is cool, and I I'm not gonna take that away from them. But at the same time, you guys also covered the misfits. <laughs> you know, like yeah. whatever. <sighs> well, you can get in contact with us at Matters Pod on Twitter, at uh, Matters Pod on Facebook. I am at Matt Noss on Twitter. I am at Karate Dracula on Twitter and Instagram. I think I did that right. I I don't know. I, I wouldn't be able to tell you one way or the other. Um, yeah, you you know you know our individual. You know where we are. <laughs> you you can catch us on the next episode of. Matters. Matters. The Street. It's hard to do over Skype. It is. Uh, I, though I, I love hearing Jen Hansen try to do it. Because <laughs> she, just, she, she just squeaks. The Street. <laughs> All right. His name is Matt. His name is Matt. And that's all that matters. <laughs> <laughs> it was a good try. It was, it was a, a solid try. try.